Hey y'all, welcome to New Radio with your host, Kenny Heflin, and I am joined again by one of my dearest friends. Miley. How you been? I've been well. Um living the life. Oh, is that right? Yes, that's right. Oh. <laughs> what kind of life have you been living so far since last time we talked? <sighs> Still being introspective and 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 finding what my happiness is. Um, still traveling, still getting outside, still doing the things. Hair still long. Period. Down the back, and they're mad, and they're mad, are and they? they're mad. They are. Check on them. My lord, <laughs> my lord. <laughs> well, you know. Again, thank you. Once again, for coming back on new radio, you know, um, we definitely love the message that you have given to me in past times and just being able to finally have you on because I've talked about you since season two. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Well, I've told you this, but yes. you know, yeah, yes. you're part of the council. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so this episode is very interesting because I was on the airplane um, not too long ago and I was thinking about it and it was really uh, close to home um, when it comes to lessons that we've learned from past relationships. If we have got our little nuggets, our prizes from each lesson that is, or if we have any regrets and all that stuff or whatever, and really tying in certain deeper meanings to why we may have chose past relationships and what we look forward to in our current and future relationships going forward after learning those lessons. So before we start, y'all make sure to subscribe to New Radio. It's streaming on all platforms where you can hear a podcast. Make sure to show us some love on Instagram and Twitter under the same handle at New Radio 101. And if you want to reach out to me on my personal page on Instagram, feel free. It's at Kenny Heflin. And Nylee, where can we find you? Uh-oh, back again. Back to back, made back, stack the M's. Um, you can find me at just sweet Nylee on Instagram and Twitter. I mean, X. Um, shout out to... Ooh, Mr. Musk. Um, handle at J E S U I S N I I L E E. Just Sweet Nile, both Instagram and Twitter. You'd be talking a good talk on those uh platforms. On Instagram, yes. Twitter, no. I don't I don't I'm not with the tweets. I'm not with the X. I'm not with I don't I, I just have it. I have a TikTok, no posts. Mm. Um I, I can't get jiggy with that shit. Well, with this episode, you'll be able to acknowledge an ex. Oh, here he is. I see what you did there. You see what I did? I see what you did there. Look. I, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Clever. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, my, my learning has been extensive. And what we've talked about in previous episodes and even what we've talked about in conversations that we've had personally um, and shared the mentality of growing and learning to love the evolution and maturity 
I feel that's something that we both share and something that really struck a chord with me when I came up with this idea, because I really wanted to tap into kind of like the psychology of the relationships that we not only attracted, but really the relationships that we chose to entertain. Um, how long did we sit in those relationships before we pulled the plug on them? And what were the lessons that we learned from those? And if those relationships may have been so traumatic to us at that time, or still to this date, if those are actually regrettable relationships, and most importantly, the core root of why we chose those folks to begin with. And it was funny because with last season, I had to, I was at my dad's actually, and it was, um, I want to say it was probably uh, 2022, I want to say maybe in January, because I go often. I think that was around the time, but I had a moment when I had to think about past relationships that I fostered with men romantically, of course, and also the similarities that that played from my upbringing or most importantly from my father, because this was something that I learned back in psychology class throughout high school and even uh, with college and stuff with the theory, at least, that children choose partners that resemble certain parents. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're talking about heterosexual relationships, the boy usually chooses uh, a woman that's similar to his mother, and the girl usually chooses a man that's similar to her father. Mm -hmm. So that's all understandable, right? But at the same time, opening up space for not only heterosexuals, but also queer people in, in general, and being able to identify the fact that there could be men that as a gay man that I choose that have similar characteristics and traits to my dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say it was very quick that I got to this conclusion, at least, but I was like, you know what? I'm very much self-aware. And then I'm also aware of the men that I have chosen, you know, just based off the representative, mm -hmm. you know, before the ball drops. Right. And you start to see them for who they really are. But I had sat there and I noticed as I laid and looked at the ceiling, I was like, wow, I'm attracted to when it comes to romance, at least. I don't pursue anybody romantically who I feel is, I guess, like super noisy and just like mixy and, and just in everybody face and uh, someone who's like combative mm -hmm. or loud, mm -hmm. you know, I've always liked and been attracted to men who are laid back, mm -hmm. you know, men who are able to express themselves. Um, I feel like actions are better than words for me. Mm -hmm. So men who are able to show intimacy through actions mm -hmm. and physically and everything like that. Um, but I didn't notice that I liked words of affirmation until I had an, a relationship uh, with someone uh, where I actually needed that. Mm -hmm. I said, wow, I didn't know I needed this, you know, mm -hmm. but 
this person was unable to do that, you know? So when I thought about it, I'm like, damn. So I like dudes who are laid back, you know, chill out the way, you know, in a way kind of passive versus the aggressive side of it. Because I can be both, but I'm usually the more aggressive side of things. Like I'm very direct, you know, but I say passive because it's like, okay, obviously advocate for yourself, speak up for yourself because I do not want to punk. So submissive. Submissive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I don't want somebody who allows me to, and I'm not even the type of person that would just run over my partner. I do not even want that. Mm -hmm. But I do want somebody who, like I say, was just like laid back and just like with the gay scene, at least um, from what I hear in most cities, at least that the scenes are always small. Mm -hmm. And living in Los Angeles is something that you see, like the black gay scene is huge, but in the grand scheme of things, it's small mm -hmm. based off the people who possess desirability. That's what makes it even smaller. Mm -hmm. So within that spectrum of folks, it gives you slim pickings mm -hmm. and you kind of want somebody, at least for me, it, you know, for me, I wanted somebody who was just out the way. They do their thing, they socialize, but at the same time, they just chill the fuck out. We we just gonna relax and be comfortable in our laid backness and chillness. And whenever we wanna step out and do our things, we can do that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, because I feel like, you know, with these days, people are always like posting uh themselves uh looking for attention sexually, rather it's Instagram, Twitter. Uh, TikTok or whatever the case is, everyone's always marketing their sexuality and their body. So that was always somebody that I kind of was like, I don't want somebody who's addicted to attention. Mm -hmm. Just sit the fuck down. It's just you know, do your thing. I see that side of you. You see that side of me. You know, but it's personal and it's exclusive for us. And that's really what, and the type of person I always loved um, to at least pursue at least was someone who I felt exclusive with, you know? I, I think there's this, this misconception that a tea can seek uh, attention seeking is always in your face. Mm -hmm. I think attention seeking shows up differently. Cause I think there's this illusion that if a person doesn't post on their social media or they, they don't speak up that they're exclusive. No, I think that, they get the attention that they get how they get it. I mm -hmm. think that that one vehicle for attention seeking is social media, but I think that, that people can show how they prioritize validation differently. I think to to market towards people that prioritize privacy and exclusivity, I think they're not mutually exclusive. I think there are people that can post all day long but then know like, hey, what's what's mine is mine and that's over here. I think that they're not mutually exclusive. So I think what I hear often is, oh yeah, that person doesn't post a lot. Or I used to even think that, hey, you don't have social media at all. Yeah, that don't mean they're exclusive. Niggas gonna get, niggas gonna nigga. They're gonna find their way. Mm -hmm. They're going to do the things. They're gonna be behind the scenes. And for some strange reason, everybody knows them. Like, how do y'all know this person? 
they don't have social media. So I I dissolved that misconception that that it is mutually exclusive for a person to actually be exclusive and and not prioritize external validation through social media, but more so prioritizes privacy and what I need from exclusivity in a way that does not reflect how they show up in social media. I think they're two different entities. Yeah, and it should be some separation. And to your point, I always kind of felt like, you know, there are people who may not have social media, who may not post a lot, but behind the scenes, they doing this, that, and the third. You know, if somebody's a shitty person, they're going to be shitty whether they're online or not. Mm -hmm. I just kind of always felt like with social media, it's so much easier to pinpoint and to kind of sift through. Mm -hmm. You know, if you do happen to come across somebody who is low-key, you know, who don't go out so much and all that stuff or whatever, if you do happen to find out they may be a shitty person, then that's something you end up finding out and you have, you can choose Mm -hmm. how you want to deal with them. I think it's easy to spot out that because that's a blaring red flag. Like, hey, this person is always in your face. But I think there's other red flags that people tend to skip over Mm -hmm. of of what how a person communicates, like how often, how frequently they communicate when they if they ghost, if they go missing. I think people do the things differently. I think that we only can focus on the the loudest parts and neglect even the quiet parts that people do that still garner the exact same results. So I, I pay attention to all of those things. Like, yeah, you might not post or you might not go out often, but I still recognize these things over here. Like, I, your phone always goes off and it's 2 a.m. Like, what's happening? Like, what? You're not on social media. So how, what, 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 what are you on? Or, um... Or when you go out, you you have to, I don't know, like people do the things that, and it's like I said, it's no judgment. Whatever makes you happy. Um, I want, even if atten- attention seeking helps you feel good, because I do understand that validation is important for a lot of people. I don't prioritize it the same way. And I mm-hmm. think that's okay. If If I seek external validation, and I need it. To me, it's clear that there's a, a void that you're trying to feel, but I want you to feel it so that you're happy, whatever makes you happy. But then I get to choose. I get to choose. Do I want to be around a person that prioritizes external validation in that way? Mm-hmm. And then I can choose to not. So it is okay that, that, that do your thing. I'm going to go over here. And that is so true. That. Again, you you are great at hitting on some good spots because, again, it really just puts a spotlight on the many ways that people show up. You know, like I say, uh, when it's overt or covert, I mean, it's no other way to put it. Mm -hmm. So that was always, and that has always been just the type of guy that, you know, for me at least, that I was attracted to romantically. Someone who just out the way, chill, lay back, you know. And then I started to think about the lessons that I had learned from school and the theories that I had heard thrown around, you know, and stuff. And I thought about it, I'm like, well, in my grown age, I can start to see some type of alignment 
with that, I can kind of see where that's coming from. Mm -hmm. Because as a homosexual man, I started to see like, oh shit, a lot of these dudes, they kind of act like my dad. When it comes to the general surface level, laid back, chill, a man of few words, shows his action through his his um, physical and you know love because he, he makes you feel his love. Mm-hmm. He doesn't tell you about it. You know, I, me and my dad, we barely say that we love each other. Like it's chance times. The only times that my dad says, you know, love you or I love you is when we're on a conference call with my sister. Mm-hmm. But me and him can be on the phone for six hours. Easy, you know, and we'll say, all right, well, I'll call you like I'm always good. I'll call you with the next updates. OK, son. Updates. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, whatever updates that is, you know. It I, sounds like um, an intentional check-in, and it's not just a father calling their son or a son calling their father. Yeah, like if and it's really like the updates. Like usually, if it's a situation where you know, I probably told him within that four to six hour conversation that you know I may have been looking for a new career move for. If something's going on in my life, you know, with a friend or family member or mm-hmm. a partner or something like that. So it's it. really to update him on that, you know. But uh, yeah, like we get off the phone, you know, but I know that he loves the fuck out of me and I love the fuck out of him. Right. Um, so that was something that I had noticed and I had to actually think about it because there's been conversations that I've had in the past with my mom and she may have vented or, you know, told me some behind the scenes stuff as an adult, at least with struggles or obstacles that her and my father had when they were together. And obviously with me being the son and the product of their union, I didn't see those sides. I saw the good sides. I see my father from the child's lens. So I don't know him romantically like my mother does. Mm-hmm. So in looking at the good things that I saw with the similarities of the men that I've chosen and how they share certain traits with my dad, I also had to think about the, I guess like the not so good or maybe negative aspects of what I've heard my mother disclose to me and what I know that I've experienced with past relationships okay so we're getting there okay this is about to be a vulnerable moment for me i'm in a bubble i'm in a bubble i'm in a bubble um so with when i think about the guys that i've dated so i'll name my two serious relationships was in high school gerald who passed um he he lost the battle with aids my first love, um, my second love, the one that broke my heart. Uh, I I only count those as my two serious relationships. I've dated people in between before, after. I've had sex with people in between before and after, but those are my two serious relationships. 
But if I look collectively of all the people that I've dated, had sex with, or or entertained, they all have the same commonality on surface level, just like my father, like how you said, how he shows up. My father is also laid back, mild, um, until he's upset. Then he yells, which is why I don't like people that yell. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a whole package of of what I'm attracted to, of like how my dad shows up surface level um because one i don't know much depth to my father that's something that we're still working on as adults like i'm still learning who my father is but surface level i'm attracted to men that are more laid back more quiet that have presence because my father has presence when he walks in a room you know he's there he might not say nothing but he's still the life of the party he's the funny one he's the favorite uncle every he he, he has an artistic ability he can draw um he's the go-to uncle like everybody knows him but um, the trauma I'm attached to too. So my father doesn't show affection. My father doesn't say I love you. That is something that I I, I yearn for in relationships. So again, when I step out, it's what I emulate is the same situation of me and my father. Not just how I'm how my father shows up and what I'm attracted to, but the actual situation because that is familial. Um. It feels common for me to meet a man and him not be that expressive emotionally because that's what I knew with my father. Mm-hmm. It's common for me to meet someone that is laid back into the key because that I'm in, in, in the cut because that's how my father is. So I'll find myself either attracting those type of men or putting myself in a position where those men are attracted to me. Mm. So I'm trying to make sure I'm intentional with breaking what it is that I'm actually attracted to and what I actually need and deserve for my actual overall happiness, not trying to remedy this relationship that I have with my father. I think that is something that I am intentional with. Hey, my childhood was like this with my father. I don't want to emulate this in my relationships because I see that that's a pattern. Like you, you said an alignment when you were talking about what you recognize being your father. I think it is a pattern for me. Mm-hmm. And it's not just exclusive to the men that I'm dating, but also the men that I create any type of bond with, platonic, familial, um, romantic, or just sexual. I think there is a pattern across the board where I can see why it feels easy to me to getting these relationships and that all the other relationships can't touch me or, or the things that are for me, I either push away or it feels awkward where I self-sabotage. So I'm, I'm clear of, of knowing when it shows up because there are new things that I'm still showing up, new things that I've realized I have not healed from or that I'm still healing from or have not even touched yet as they arise, as I continue to establish new relationships with with men. Um, That has been my whole breakthrough process this year of of how I'm having relationships with men and how it started with my father. My father was the one that caused me the first hurt. Then it was my uncle, and then it was my teacher, and then it was... The men that I love the most were the first people to enact that harm to me when it came to emotional availability. 
And so when I look into relationships that I have, I require depth. I require emotional availability. I require vulnerability. I require that because I, I didn't get it from my father. I got it from my uncle, but then he left, so I felt abandoned. I I got it from my teacher, but then he called me a faggot. And so I felt betrayed. So the men that I respected, looked up to, loved, betrayed my trust and hurt me in a way that lay, laid the foundation of what it's like for me to view relationships with men. Mm-hmm. So as I navigate other relationships, I either fall into what feels common or put myself in a situation where they need me and I'm back in the same situation where it's the exact same trauma that I've experienced with my, well, those three men. I think those were the first three men that I can think as far back as to say like, oh, that's where it started. Mm-hmm. It started with my father when my, when I was little. It started with my uncle when he he divorced my aunt. It started with my my math teacher when he called me a faggot and then kind of like tried to to call me out when we actually had all of our parents, my, my parents in the room to try to intervene. But to your point earlier, when you were talking about how we date our parents, mm-hmm. I think it's more so around, we grew up in a house, some, some, up to 18. Some people, like my little brother, he's still living at home. God bless him. Um, woo! Mm-hmm. Um, so it becomes behavioral. Mm-hmm. For 18 years, oh, it is easy to snap into something that feels common. And I'm trying to make sure like the things that feel good actually feel good and they're just not something that feel normal. I want to recognize the difference of what makes me happy and what feels like a pattern i want to be able to be clear of this is what i want not this is what i'm used to mm-hmm. and i think that's what i'm trying to distinguish when things show up and i find myself or is it am i actually attracted to this or is this just what continues to show up because of what i'm used to i don't want i don't want things that i'm used to i want things because i keep landing here mm-hmm. i don't want to land here anymore i want to get to a point where there's a deep connection there's vulnerability, there's consideration, there's empathy, there's communication, um, there's love, there's intimacy. I want to get there. And I know there's things that I have to work through with myself where I'm not projecting. And being able to to be introspective and self-aware when things do show up, how to communicate that openly and meeting someone that can reciprocate that. I think that's a big part of it's one thing to meet someone, but then it's not reciprocated because like, what are we doing? So I think there's, there are layers to like how we do quote unquote date our parents. Daddy's little girl. Okay. Hate that song. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. How that, that sets the tone. Like that was my, and I love my daddy fiercely. I love, I love my daddy. To, like I call him daddy to the point where if I if I saw him, I would run up to him and just like hug him, and I'd probably start crying. That's that's just how how much I love my daddy. I love him. Um, but yeah, I think 
it, it is fair to say my daddy caused a lot of harm to me. And he did the best that he could, raising a queer child, a trans child in the 90s. Mm. No social media, no nothing. So yeah, I get it. I understand. But here we are. Thousands of dollars of trauma, thousands of dollars of therapy, thousands of dollars of surgery. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that shows up in how I build relationships with men and why I lack trust in men and that it is easy when the trust is betrayed that I'm disappointed. It is easy for me to feel a deep betrayal, mm-hmm. um, a deep level of of abandonment if something like that happens because it's familiar because I put myself in the exact same situation and, and I attracted the exact same energy. And sometimes it's out of my hands, but I recognize like, hey, you gonna keep getting tested until you pass the test. You know, that was something I've heard from one of my good friends before in the past. And that really hit a nerve because I kind of think, you know, for me at least, let me know if you think differently, mm-hmm. of course. But I kind of feel like, you know, based off of what we're exposed to from childhood and when we grow up and start pursuing partners romantically and even platonically at least, but I kind of feel like, you know, based off of our relationships with our parents or with whoever's our guardian, right? I kind of wonder if sometimes we got to take a step back and think about, you know, are we into this person similar to what you have said? If we're into this person genuinely because we're attracted to this person, these character traits that they're, you know, letting off and that we are catching, or is it a conditioning? Mm -hmm. And like you talked about, is it behavioral? Mm -hmm. You know, so a lot of times it's kind of like we have to take a step within ourselves and think like, well, let me see. Do I like this person because of this person and because I genuinely like what they're putting out? Or is this something I'm used to? And I kind of think with certain things, I say this all the time, there are some things that don't need to be impacted. Mm -hmm. Attraction doesn't necessarily always have to be explained. And I feel like in this day and age, because everyone's so easy to be offended or to label you with some ism, you know, it's kind of like you find yourself psychoanalyzing your actions, your attractions and how you show up in the world and thinking like, damn, like, is it a root to this? Like, do I need to unpack? Like, oh my God, you know, who's going to point me out and be like, look at you. This is the reason why you do this. Or do you genuinely like that in that particular person? Yeah, I think it's it's one thing to unpack. So shout out to those that do. But I think it also is a responsibility for an adult to recognize that there's luggage there. Like, I can know that I have trepidations around dating another trans man and what that's rooted in. I'm attracted to men. I know trans men are men. Why do I still have qualms around dating trans men? Um, or am I attracted to, to to masculinity in the ways that I say I am? Then could that show up in a different type of body? Like, a, like what does that look like? I can recognize the luggage and then say, yeah, I'm not unpacking it, but I know the luggage is there. And try to be as harm reductive as possible. 
mm-hmm. where I'm not being openly harmful to people that I am exclusionary. Cause I, I have a choice still. I have a right. I can say, no, I don't want to still. Um, I don't want to cause additional harm, but I know that that is something that I'm not interested in or, and I'm not saying that these are the things that I'm not interested in. I'm just mm-hmm. saying like, it is fair to to actually say, hey, I recognize that m- my dating preferences and prejudices are are X. Some people can go further and say, well, it's because of Y and Z, but I recognize X. And I think that it's also fair for us a person to say and just stop at X. But I think a lot of people don't want to recognize X because it justifies how they date. Mm-hmm. Um, it is easy to say I only like skinny women because I like skinny women. Yeah, but why? Because I have a choice. Fine. That's where you want to stop. That's where you want to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's lazy because you can say, well, I know that society shapes how we view bodies and that I look at bigger bodies in this type of way mm-hmm. so much that I don't even want to be a bigger body. I think that is something to recognize in how we choose our people. As opposed to just saying, I only like skinny people. Why? I think I think that is lazy. Fine. Sure. You have your choice. Choose. I think that is even still around when people say, I don't want to date trans people. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's my choice. It's not, it's, not a pre- it's not a prejudice. It's my preference. Yeah, but your preference can be rooted in a prejudice. It can be exclusionary. And just name the why. Just name it. You don't want to date trans people. Perfect. Don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are people that will, but but don't. That is okay. No one's trying to twist your arm and make you. I think it's just people are trying to to make you aware of what that is to have a larger conversation around like how the world sees people outside of your attraction, mm-hmm. outside of your sexual or romantic or even just familiar relationship. Because I think that even that bias shows up in even just platonic relationships of why most people aren't friends with disabled people, aren't friends with larger bodies, aren't friends with trans people. It shows up there too. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have a more expansive conversation once you start to recognize the Y and the Z instead of just stopping at X. Yeah. And thank you for pointing that out because that's something that is a topic of conversation amongst, again, a lot of these platforms that we navigate through every single day. And also pointing out the difference between a prejudice and a preference. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this to, I mean- The moon and back. The moon and back on platforms like on clubhouse like that's how we were introduced to each other Mm -hmm. uh rather you were facilitating the conversation or it was someone else Mm -hmm. so prejudice and preference is it's a it's a difference Mm y'all know which one is what Mm -hmm. and why is your why because i can say i have a preference of dating cis people because in my past of dating trans people that there, there comes with a lot of trauma and unpacking and unhealing and insecurities. So I prefer cis women. Still open to trans women, but I prefer mm-hmm. cis women. It's not a preference if I just will never date trans people because I don't want to. That's a prejudice. Like there's an exclusionary, and that is okay. And I'm, I'm not judging. Fine. Because I actually don't want to force you to if you don't want to, because that is more harm of me trying to make you or convince you otherwise. But, and even as it pertains to trauma, as we're talking about our daddy issues, 
I don't want to force you into any type of commitment if commitment is the problem that you are running from. Ooh. <laughs> I don't wanna I don't I don't again choose be intentional with me. Like if y'all don't learn anything from me is it's intentionality. Be intentional. Um you wanna talk to me, talk to me. You don't, don't. It's the intentionality. It's not because of obligation, it's not because of responsibility. It's because it, you're intentional. I care about you, so I reached out. I care about you. I want to date you. I want to. I, I want to get to know you more. Be intentional. Do the things. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. I'm apologizing. Here's how I'm showing up for you because I apologize. Be intentional. Do the thing. Um. I'm not going to force you into a relationship, even if I recognize that your trauma is why we're here. I'm not. I'm not going to say, Hey, I do recognize the reason why you shut down. Is because of this. So open up. I, I I think that is one thing to name the X and then let you find the Y and the Z. Mm. But then I, I don't want to be subjugated to it if it's going to additionally cause me more harm. Because to me, abandonment is my trauma for my father. I, I feel like all of that, when, when a person shuts down, stops communication, ghosts, go missing... Like when, when people do that, it goes right back to the, to the beginning. And I'm not going to force a relationship for the sake of, of me trying to be the teacher or me being the healer. Do the thing that that's how you do. That's how you do. I, I, I can't be a part of that. Make your choice, make your choice. Um, I don't think that prejudices just lie with with just the physical things. I think that also happens internally, especially with trauma. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think for me, when it wasn't necessarily trauma within my relationship with my dad, because if you ask me, everything was perfect. Mm -hmm. Everything is perfect. We have the perfect relationship. But I know a disappointment for me at least was just the fact that I had unrealistic expectations in hoping that people would reciprocate good moral character and values and stuff, how I was able to naturally just show that to them. So I would usually be met with disappointment if that person fell short of that mm-hmm. because my good character to me at least, is the bare minimum of just being a good human. Mm -hmm. So it was easy for me to find disappointment in the fact that this person wasn't able to reciprocate consideration or communicate, Mm -hmm. you know, or to be respectful or to be trustworthy. I felt so. Maya Angelou is one of my favorite phenomenal women that I've always looked up to and admired and helped shape how I show up as a woman. So she, she has that relentless quote. um, When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. It is difficult to do that with people for someone to show you how they are and then for you to believe them, because I think the believe them part is hard. And the first time is harder. 
So when someone shows you who they are and saying, hey, this is you, and then being able to either accept that, make the choice or move on, um, as opposed to trying to weather the storm, trying to have the conversations push through, seeing the the untapped potential, because like we we talked in, 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 the, in the previous show, that some people don't want to grow, don't care about growing, and actually are, are are very content with where they are. So we we tend to take that on as a challenge of like, okay, well, I've either invested this much time, so we're almost on the brink of change, or I know that I'm just that good where I can inspire change. They're going to change on their own. So I, I've learned to to want to accept a person when they show up as who they are and and then get to make make my choice. So if a person is showing, this is how I show love. This is how I show respect. This is how I show integrity. This is how I show dedication. This is how I show all these things. I, I have the option to say, hey, but this is what I need and this is what I require. Mm-hmm. They then have the choice if they care to rise to that occasion. If they don't and they still show you, but hey, this is all I got. <laughs> Another quote is, I'm a person that is, that is pint size. I am pint, 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 pint. But there are some people that are cat. I can't require them to fill up my pint with what they have in their court. And I think in their, in their, in the cut, in the cap size, I think it's fair to say, hey, I recognize that you're a cap. I think you need to be around other caps because y'all can pour and fill each other. There's nothing that you can do to pour into my into my pint size, mm-hmm. make me feel whole or give me the things that I need. And I think that that's where we get with the disappointment where I'm expecting so much from you and this is all you got. And I need to learn to accept that this is all you got. Do I choose this or me saying, this ain't good enough? And I think that's fair. And I think the hardest part is to walk away from any and all relationships mm-hmm. that don't give you what you are what you deserve, what you need. I think it's fair to uh, reassess your relationships in that way. Like, mm-hmm. hey, this is what I require. This is what you require. I can meet yours. You can't meet mine. What do we do? It's not enough for me. So I think it is okay for us to be distant. Or I think it's okay for us to get closer because I feel like you're trying to meet me there. Mm-hmm. But I relinquish the, the the room for disappointment because now I'm starting to walk in a space where Another another quote. You meet people where they are, but then there's also sometimes you have to leave them there because you can pour into a black hole all day long and it'll just be a black hole. And now you find yourself empty, battered and hurt. Ooh. <laughs> so I want to meet, I wanna I wanna be able to to I'm I'm in a I'm I'm now in a space where it has to be reciprocal. It has to be. I require reciprocity. I need it. It needs to be equally yoked. Um, the parts where we meet, we meet. The parts where we compensate, we can compensate in different ways. I don't have to give you $5, you give me $5. I can give you $5, you can give me a car ride. However the the the, the reciprocity works, I'm showing the equal investment. But if I'm saying, hey, I need this from you and you can't give me this, I get the choice to saying, hey, I, this is, especially if I recognize that this is all you got, I can say this is all you got. This is who you are. This ain't good enough for me. And I've learned to employ that 
towards my biological family, mm-hmm. my chosen family, the men that I date, um, the platonic relationships, work. Mm-hmm. Um, it is difficult based on the types of relationships and how I will maneuver through those boundaries because we tend to do that. I really love this person, so give him another chance. Or this is my mom. You only have one mom. I hear that all the time. But then now I'm the one that's on the end of that hurt. So back to the selfish phase of how am I prioritizing me and how am I learning from my past situations, not mistakes, but past situations Mm -hmm. where I'm not still landing back here, where I'm still not trust the niggas, not trusting people around me, feeling like people only use me for 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 whatever they can get. Um, proximity, only people being around me based on the attention that I gather, like all the things that I always question that, hey, it is not real. It's not genuine. People don't know how to love me. People don't know how to show up for me. And the people that that are learning to love and show up is because I'm constantly having to teach it. It is exhausting. So how do I get to the point where I'm getting what I need without having to to exhaust all the labor? Mm-hmm. And it's recognizing, hey, the people that you're around that is pulling a lot of exhaust from you is because you're not believing them when they showed you that that's all they got. And so that is me right now currently reassessing what that looks like. And then, and thinking about in totality what that relationship is and what it does for me and whether or not it is honorable, something that I want to hold on to or I need to let go. And I think that that's a difficult thing for most people to do because not enough people understand the grief that also comes with having to affirm that boundary Mm -hmm. and then stand on it and still also still have care with, hey, I still care about you, but I care about me more. Mm-hmm. And I have to do this for me in order for me to be happy. Whether or not you feel like I'm being too this, too that, too sensitive, too over, too, too whatever. Think what you want. Mm-hmm. That is that is your business. For me, it ain't enough for me. So I need to make sure what's best for me. And I need to do this thing, whatever that is, as long as it's not harming people. Exactly. Yes. Heavy on that. Yes. Yeah, because I kind of feel like you know, looking at it from a positive standpoint versus the negative, it kind of makes you feel it's easy, at least for me, and tell me if you agree, but it's easy to kind of feel like, you know, damn, am I the only one that's willing to put in certain work or only willing to do whatever the bare minimum of having good human character is? And if I'm looking for reciprocity and I'm not finding that most people aren't able to reciprocate the bare minimums of just being a, a stand-up person, it's like, damn, like, am I on an island? I think that's coded with when you say stand-up person, because what does that mean? Because an asterisk? Because I think like that that leads with we have to agree on what a stand-up person is. Yeah, because it's subjective as hell. Correct. Yeah. So if you lead with your bias already, that doesn't give me room to show you my version of a stand-up person. Correct. We're going to disagree. Mm-hmm. But I think the the goal that I am I'm striving to achieve is having a space in friendship 
romantic, platonic, sexual, where I can express my needs and wants in that without fear of abandonment. Because I, I tend to fear me saying, hey, this is what I want and what I need without losing you. Where I can mm. say, hey, this is what I want and need. And you still stay and say, I can give it to you or I can't give it to you. And we work around other things that I can still feel like you're invested. Um, being able to have a conversation about, hey, this this is what I, this, these are my traumas. These are things I'm aware of. And hey, these are the things that I feel like you're lacking. and it being amicable and not as an attack. Mm -hmm. I think that's where I'm trying to get to with any relationship dynamic that I have and and then not feel as a threat, but more so I'm, I'm trying to pull you close and keep you. But these are some things that I need to, to talk about openly. And you have the floor to do the same mm -hmm. about me and what you need from me and whether or not I can rise to that occasion or not, uh, or meet you, or you have to leave me. Fine, but I think that we don't have enough conversations because, again, I can name, yeah, I fear saying certain things like that because if 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 the cost of losing you is more than me actually being honest with you and there is a chance that you can rise to the occasion, I'm going to take the chance. I, I'm gonna mm -hmm. I'm going to take the chance of. I, I'm just going to settle what we have because I don't want, I don't, I don't want loss. But now I'm realizing like, yeah, you doing that, that ain't getting you nowhere, but hurt. So start using, like finding your voice. I just posted on my Instagram that I'm refinding my voice, which is funny to me. It's The irony is that I am the most assertive, outspoken person. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to, to saying what I want and need, on the other end of that is, I fear loss. And so then when people ask you, what are you most fear of to me being alone? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, because it, it kind of brings up the question, you know, with having an understanding that we are all our own individuals with our own traumas, our own stories and our own struggles and, and, the wins, the the losses, all the stuff like on a daily basis, right? Mm -hmm. We are complex individuals in our own respect. Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes you think, you know, how far are you willing to give that grace versus compromising to meet people at certain levels and stuff? And I think one thing that you had told me this back in 2021 when you gave me a great space to to really, I mean, really comb through, like, you know, is this what you're willing to accept from this person? Or if you're not, then, then don't accept it and walk away. And I really just feel like, obviously, in a perfect world, nothing's perfect. But in a perfect world, it would just be so much easier if we were mechanical and can just turn it off mm -hmm. without the grieving process of the the work up to like you said earlier talking about it having a conversation that can be uncomfortable mm -hmm. you know that person may not want to hear that um and they could go about how they respond however they want and then also the 
grieving of having to let go and then the the post uh letting go grief and all of that stuff and we don't know how long that looks like we don't know how long that journey is Mm -hmm. and that's something that sucks and i know for me at least in the past with especially with romantic relationships you see certain things when they arise you for me at least like you hope okay well let's keep getting to know each other okay it's been a a few times when they may have did something that rubbed me the wrong way one thing i'm gonna do is advocate for myself and i'm gonna speak up Mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm gonna wake it up all the time Mm -hmm. because at least for me and again you said you pointed to this uh earlier for me i cannot sleep at night unless i know i spoke up for myself Mm -hmm. there's a time and place for everything and every conversation can be curated nicely everything doesn't have to be aggressive or combative or anything like that because i do not like to argue Mm -hmm. but i will speak up for myself Mm -hmm. and i will hold space for you to be able to tell me your side and we can meet hopefully at the middle ground Mm -hmm. because that's one thing i do love with all my relationships is the idea at least of being on the same page so it is difficult in the past and and even still to this day you know when for me when someone penetrates me right yeah when someone penetrates me that doesn't people don't really get that deep mm-hmm. um and the relationships that have gotten that deep they are again held very sacred so as transparent as i am as candid as i am on this show there is a level of exclusivity and um and safeness within my own heart so whatever people want to call it so when people get that deep and then when they do the disappointing thing it really has been a struggle for me in the past and again even currently of letting go I'm finding the acceptance side of it. That's something I do pray for whenever I do my manifestations and things on full moons and shit, right? Mm -hmm. But it's really finding the letting go phase of it and really, because I'm going to let go. But I think there is a level of unrealistic um, expectations for myself to be like, Damn, I sure wish that you uh you could just let it go and cause you gonna advocate for yourself and you're gonna cut ties. But I wish that it was a damn light switch so you can move the fuck on. Yeah, but sometimes as daunting as it is to say it's gonna take me a minute to get through this, I, I kinda appreciate that minute. Um, I used to be someone that used to pick my scabs. Like I used to have like sores. I used to fall out of trees and I, and I would pick the scab and I used to enjoy like the pain of, of pulling it off and watching it bleed and it healing. And, um, when the scab comes back, peel it back off again and then watching it heal hindsight, but, uh, <laughs> trying to have beautiful legs and I got all these scars on my legs, but I, I use it as a metaphor to say I, I do enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. And if it's quick, what am I learning from it? Because I learned, hey, don't pick at your sores because it'll leave a mark. 
analogy, don't continue to put yourself in situations because it still causes pain. So if I'm quickly trying to hurry up and get over things or get through things or get to the other side, am I truly feeling what it is or I'm suppressing, deflecting, um, repressing what I'm actually going through for the sake of not wanting to actually feel it. And that desensitizes my sensitivity. No, I actually want to feel this. It's going to take me three months, a year. With the one that broke my heart, I think it took me two, maybe three years. And I actually started dating someone else, moved in with them, and was still going through that whole process to a point where I felt I was healed until like my like my birthday came around or something like you know things happen where you, you, the emotions come back up. Yep. Um, do you realize? Oh, I got oh shit! I got some more work to do. It wasn't until I ran into him because you know you watch all the movies, you watch all the TV shows. Like oh, it's gonna be the moment where he gonna be there with his new girl, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna walk in and I'm gonna be standing there by myself. And I pictured it like it was gonna be at the Fox Theater because we do the same things, we like the same thing. I said it's gonna be something where I'm gonna run into him like all the movies, and it wasn't none of that. And it was he was working at one of the buildings that I managed. It just so happened him to be on that floor at that time for me to be walking on that floor. I said, look at baby, you can't tell me that was a divine. During COVID in a time where people were working from home and me trying to come in and inspect the building while nobody's there, he's there. Walk past him and he he says, Nye? And we have masks on because at that time we have masks on. So I was like, who is, like, who knows me? He pulled down his mask and I was like, wow, had not seen him since we stopped talking. Mm. And I never had the feeling of wanting to flex to tell him how how well I am now or how, how well off I am and how, how many things have changed since you. I've never felt to do that. If anything, the 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 moment that I felt was more so gratitude, like it's good to see you. I'm glad that you're well. And I saw on Facebook that you are engaged. Well, you are married. And I brought that up. And I was like, yeah, you because he was cheating on me while we were dating. I was like, oh, yeah, y'all married. Mm-hmm. Right. I was like, so congratulations. Like, I didn't feel any animosity or nothing. So to that point, I realized I moved on. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I actually have processed those feelings in that relationship. Hold the memories of it. Yeah, like, oh, I remember when he used to hold me like that. I still have that expectation when people hold me. I fall asleep. He's some. He was someone that, that taught me what that was. Someone that can listen to me. I know what that's like. Someone to kiss me like that. I know what that's like. So that set the bar. What dating me is like, because he was great at courting me. I know what that bar is. But he was also cold and manipulative. I don't want that. Um, moments that he was going through things, he would shut down and would be real mean to me um, and, 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 and hold me out. I didn't want any of that, but it, it was up until me confronting him and saying, oh, I guess I have moved on. And I didn't want to tell him like, yeah, I run this whole thing or, hey, this is the car I drive now and I make this much money now, or my boo is there. I didn't, ha- I didn't want to do any of that. I just wanted to say like, I'm happy for you. I'm grateful. I'm 
I'm grateful for everything we've been through. We had a little conversation. He gave me a hug and we went on about our business. He did message me on Facebook and was like, hey, I just caught up on your Facebook. Like, I'm proud of you that you're an activist now. You're doing all this stuff. He did that on his own. Mm -hmm. He went and looked me up on his own. So I think the point that I'm proving is trust the process for me. And I'll say, like, I understand, like, it can be tumultuous. Like, who wants to go through that? Like, who wants who wants to continue being reminded of past hurt? Who wants to continue to hurt? Like, I don't think that's... For me, that's never a thing that I want to continue feeling a thing or being reminded on, on a particular day or song or phone call because that's what we do with our with our trauma. We attach it to that moment. 444 means this. This song means that. This place means this. That's what we do with our emotional stamping. I don't think that there's a person that's saying, I want to be stuck and I want to stay stuck. I think there are people that don't know how to get beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are two isolated situations. But I am someone that wants to go through it and I'm I'm okay with if it takes me a lot longer than most people and recognizing that, hey, it's still a process and being being mindful of, hey, when that blood starts showing back up, to know I need to soothe it with 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 gentleness, compassion, grace, um, and care. Like that, that's the medicine. The medicine is recognizing that it hurts still. Mm-hmm. The medicine is recognizing that um, I might not know how this sore even got here because I used to bump my leg on things and I don't even know. Like I wake up is I don't know. I don't know how it's here, but I know that it is here now, and I want to make sure that I I put the medicine on it. Um, I, I want to find out how the sword got here so I don't do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, I want to watch it heal. And and now as an adult, I want to heal it properly because I want to I want a smooth leg. I want when I go on vacation, I go and I and I want my bathing suits. I want my leg to be smooth. And I don't want to have to catch the light to make sure that the light is not showing on the wound. I, I want to. Make sure, like, as I'm navigating my trauma, that I'm, I'm I'm properly assessing how my emotions are tied to the trauma when they show up, that I'm handling it the best way that is no longer causing me additional harm. Mm-hmm. Like, not healed, but putting the medicine appropriately so that it doesn't leave a scar. Because there are some scars or or wounds that you put medicine on and it goes away, you don't even see it anymore. Like, that's the goal. And there's some, no, it's going to leave a whelp. Like, you know, Miss Mojo made some punch. I still have this sore on my nose when I fall out my car. Lord. But I remember what that was. Like, that was a time. That was Memorial Day weekend in Atlanta. Baby, she made that punch. She said, take a sip, but your lip. Baby. Uh, I think I, I was concussed. Um, mm. But yeah, there's something that's going to leave a mark. Mm-hmm. But, but I know, like, and I know I should have probably went to the hospital, got stitches, because it probably wouldn't. I know that there are things that I should have done that wouldn't have led that to continue to be an open wound. Um, I I commend people that can get over things quickly. But then to me, I was like, are you emotionally unavailable? Because how did you do that that quickly? Why don't you feel like, did you deflect? I have disassociation really easily. Mm. I can disconnect from something and show no if no feeling to people that I, if I do not care. But when I care, I care, and I, I need to go through it. Um, I can still show you disassociation and cut you off. I can be detached. 
I'm still going through the feelings. Um, I think I, I want to honor my feelings because there was far too many times where I did it mm -hmm. and pretended as if I moved on and did it or, or suffered in silence. And I don't want to do that anymore. And I think that that is so important. And it's, and it just, it really speaks to your maturity level and just your self-awareness because so many of us do not have that. I mean, we, you know this, like we encounter most individuals throughout a daily basis that lack self-awareness. They lack accountability and they're not able to articulate, you know, how they feel, why they uh, feel the way that they uh, feel, what they're doing, why they did it, you know, and then also how is it affecting other people mm -hmm. that are close to them. So it's just, it's easy to, I mean, it's really just easy to go down the wormhole when um, some people go down just like the, the dark black hole of negativity. Mm -hmm. And like you say, some people do repress. Mm -hmm. Some people do get over things easily. Um, sometimes I do wish that I had psychic powers to really see if they've actually done the work, mm -hmm. um, no matter if that was a couple of days, weeks or months or years. But or did they actually pack that pain up and that trauma up and put it in the back of their mind? Mm -hmm. And how did they do it? Because sometimes, like I say, when you're going through those hard times, especially the breakup of a relationship or something, you are, like I mentioned earlier, a part of you is wishing that you can get over it like that. But then also, for me at least, the other side is like, no, you got to go through this. Mm -hmm. First off, you don't have that skill to just repress shit because, nigga, you are very cerebral. So you don't even have that skill, first and foremost, that you don't have that range, mm -hmm. right? So by default, you have to go through it. Now, then I'm like, well, damn, I wonder how long it's going to take because mm -hmm. this shit sucks, mm -hmm. you know? And there's been uh, situations where I do not necessarily regret the loss of relationships because I do settle in the fact that I love me more and I'm not dealing with that type of negativity or that type of hurt mm -hmm. or disappointment. Mm -hmm. But there were times where I was like, damn, like, do I really regret that or not? Well, I wish that it didn't happen to me. That that would have been nice. I wish I didn't have this memory. Mm -hmm. I wish I didn't have this scar. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that would be nice. Mm -hmm. But then the other side of me is like, well, you do. So now what? I don't have... There is one relationship that I regret. Ooh, Jesus. Um, I do wish that there... I wish a lot of people did know me. I wish I, I, I extended a lot of vulnerability and, and, and grace and capacity to a lot of people that didn't deserve it. And so I wish I could take that back. Not regret, though, because I know... It was either beneficial on my end or theirs. It served its purpose. But where I'm at, I kind of just like want to clean up. Like, oh, bitch, I just want to clean up all that shit because I, I wish that they, they didn't have access to me 
or be able to able to ever say that they had access to me. Mm-hmm. I want that back. Um, not a regret though. Uh, I look at <laughs> woo. Oh, I look at <laughs> oh my god. I look at relationships today with 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 a fine tooth comb. I I think it's something to, to choose. And I, I want to make sure that we're both equally choosing the same things and agreeing to the same terms. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that is that is a, a hard pill to swallow for most people. It has been a hard pill for me. Mm-hmm. And I've taken some big ass pills down the throat. Wow. Horse pills. Yeah. Oh wow. I mean. My calcium, magnesium, zinc is huge. <laughs> I'll be having to dislodge my damn charge. <laughs> but no, like, no, you, again, many points were made just within that. And it just, like I say, it's really for us to really sift through, see the lessons, try our hardest not to repeat. Mm-hmm. but then also to live in those lessons. And I mean, also give grace to some of the people who've had certain situations where there are major regrets for whatever reasons, because we know that can range from not so severe to really severe, right? But yeah, I mean, for me at least, there are just things that I just wish that didn't happen. And like you said, wish that it's certain people that I really would love to have not had access to and them having access to me, especially in a deeper level. Cause there's a lot of niggas that I feel like I should have just fucked and just like left them to dry. It's a lot of niggas that I felt should have just stayed in the DMS, mm-hmm. you know, um, being that we met through clubhouse, I was talking to Devin a, um, not too long ago. And I'm like, you know what? If I could, I will wipe that whole slate. I would not have involved myself with anybody romantically from that app because it was a trap. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But did you learn anything from it? So that's that's like the catch-22 with, yeah, hindsight of saying, yeah, I wish I would have never, but then now you know this now you learned. Yes. I learned the lessons. Because I think through that, I think that's where we started getting close was one of the flings you had, mm-hmm. one of the situations you had, and that's where we started building our relationship. If that was the case, we who's to say we would have gotten here? That's true. Mm-hmm. So I think like that, it, it is, it's fair to say, yeah, I don't want to go through hurt. Then sometimes you got to fall off your bike to know that you got to stay up straight. This is true. And I'm a believer in alternate realities in the multiverse. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm a big science geek. Oh, okay. But I do believe that in certain control spaces like Clubhouse or if we went to school together or if we worked together, the relationship was going to happen. It may not happen exactly how it happened in this reality but it was going to happen because mm-hmm. we both still have the ingredients 
and similarities where we were we were definitely would have clicked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I do find that you know in the listen, multiverse. In the multiverse, I got it. The alternate version of us. Oh, period. If so I that's mean, the dark side, it could be okay, but it could also be the light side. Okay, got it. Oh yeah, but if I ain't fuck the nigga in Atlanta mm-hmm. and all of that stuff transpired, and I didn't come to you for counsel in that moment, the relationship I do juggle with them, I'm like, well, it's it would have happened because we still were the same people we would have clicked regardless. It just would have maybe been maybe a day later, Mm. maybe a month later, Mm -hmm. but it was going to happen because Mm -hmm. we were so, so close Mm -hmm. with vicinities of, you know, people and personalities and all that stuff or whatever, you know, it wasn't by chance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get it. But yeah, looking back on it, I'm like, I would have took the magic eraser, Mr. Clean. Because, again, the side of me is like, I wish that didn't happen to me. But then the other side, well, it did, nigga, so. The beauty in that is being able to look back at it and say, hey, these are things that I could have done differently then. Correct. Um, And so now, as I move forward, I'm going to now start to practice those change behaviors. So, hey, I wish I probably wouldn't have been that vulnerable that early. Or hey, I I shouldn't have given that amount of, that amount of access to people that did not earn it. There's something um that that um I posted a while ago on my Instagram story. It was it was stop giving people positions in your life that they did not earn, and then getting disappointed when they don't meet the requirements. I said, oh, a read. Because mm-hmm. I tend to do that when it when someone shows me that they can be vulnerable with me, protect me, or be like I can have a level of safety. Doors unlocked, and then the more that you continue to show up in that, the more vulnerability you gain and access you gain of me. And hey, you still ain't earned that. Like mm-hmm. hey, I put you in a position that and and created requirements for you that I didn't even tell you about. So you. You already are signed up for a job, and I didn't even tell you the job requirements. Mm. And now I'm mad at you because you ain't doing your job. And so I've I've learned to reassess those things of like the expectations that I'm putting on people that hey they ain't signed up for that. I gotta be clear about that. That's that's me doing my work, me worrying about my shit, mm-hmm. and putting people in positions in my life that they did not deserve. Mm-hmm. And that's my own trauma of of how I, I build my unhealthy attachment styles and how I find those same daddy issues in other people. Mm. Full circle. We love a full circle moment. No, I think that, again, that's just, that's important. And I just, I think that, you know, with this episode, again, people would be able to see themselves within either one of us or something similar. They may know someone, you know, so I think that this was very helpful. I do too. I was vulnerable. You were. Yeah. Not too many people get that. They don't deserve it either. Mm. Well, you just shared it with a couple thousand people. Oh, well, you have been privileged. 
Oh my god. <laughs> I got the the sit down exclusive. You did. Yeah. So what's next for you? Um I don't know. And I'm okay with not knowing. I I'm a very analytical person. Everything has to be planned to a T. I'm okay with not knowing. I don't know if it's love and marriage. I don't know if it's kids. I don't know. I have chosen children. Woo! Baby. Mm -hmm. Um, I've learned so much from my children, from my, my oldest baby, all the way down to my youngest. Good Lord. Um, I don't know. I think I, I am fine with taking it day by day, one step at a time. As I'm learning myself, um, learning how I show up and how I can show up better, I, I, I don't know what's next for me. And I'm okay with not knowing today. Mm. I like that. It keeps you present. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's That's, next for you? I only have aspirations. Oh, to be happy. Ha ha ha. Since we quoting Beyonce, I mean, no, but my biggest aspiration and always the thing that I pray for since I was young was a, to have a peace of mind, mm. to gain and maintain a peace of mind. Peace of mind or peace of mind? Of mind. Mm. Yeah. Of my, mm. my mind. Mm -hmm. And it's an umbrella. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All the things that I enjoy, all the things that I work for, all the things, whatever that is, brings me peace. You know, Lauren Hill has that song. It's my, the favorite song on her unplugged album. I got to find peace of mind. Mm -hmm. I used to quote that all the time. Mm -hmm. I love that song. Me too. You make me want to listen um, to that and watch the actual performance. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, y'all. Do some work. <laughs> Be introspective. Yes. Look into yourself. Look into the mirror. Um, again, I greatly appreciate you for gracing us with your presence and your knowledge. Well, thank you for and having your me. wisdom. Thank you. Thank yes. You. Thank you for creating a space where I can be vulnerable. I appreciate that. And I only do that because you've done that to me. So mm. Mm. reciprocity. Come on, somebody. Hello. Shut up. Again, full circle moment. Mm -hmm. So y'all make sure to like and subscribe to new radio streaming on all platforms where you can hear a podcast. Follow me on new radio 101 at Twitter and Instagram. And Nile. You can hit me up on Instagram and the Twitter at Jesuinali. Um, it's J-E-S-U-I-S-N-I-I-L-E-E. -E. Perfect. Well, y'all enjoy your week and slide in our DMs respectfully. Or disrespectfully. You know, oh. we, we on that type of time. Okay, demons. Okay, well, sure. Look, I'm abstaining, so. Oh. Mm -hmm. Well. Anyways, bye, y'all. Bye.